So how are you? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm, I'm doing very good. Yeah. So um, did an interview with Derek Gilbert and he kept mentioning William Ramsey. And I'm like, I, I got to have your side because I know you wrote a whole book on this. And so I'll just get right into it. I want to talk about Damian Eccles and your research on him. I find it very, very fascinating. And it's going to really fit into this little documentary piece I'm doing. Um, so we could just start off. Who is he? What? Well, I think he got his reputation really was uh, made through these three documentaries that were put out by HBO. The first one was called Paradise Lost. And it was about the case of what became the West Memphis Three, which is a saga still going on. They're still in the news today, 2022, trying to reopen the case and get evidence handled, which they agreed they couldn't sue the state after their second guilty plea in 2011, August 2011. But basically, Damien Eccles became famous through the involvement, I think, of Hollywood involving in a case that involved the death of three eight-year-old boys on May 5th, 1993. And uh, that's really where it started. And uh, I think the police were baffled about the motive of the crime. Why would somebody do this? And, it, you know, they were tried. They were found guilty. Two separate trials. Baldwin, Miss Kelly, and Damien Eccles were found guilty in 1994. But then through these, this kind of, I think it would be PR propaganda, in my opinion, of these documentaries, they they started this kind of uh, groundswell movement that raised a lot of money and public awareness in the statement that they were found innocent, which they still were guilty. They never actually overturned either of their guilty guilty uh, judgments or uh, you know what what the court came to the conclusion they were guilty. They've never been overthrown to this day. Anyway, they got out. They were allowed to get out. The judge, I think the judge was name was Burnett. He left and there's a new judge, Laser, and a new DA. And so they agreed to let them out in August 2011 for time served, put him on 10 years of probation, which just ended last year. And then upon his, he had this, uh, it wasn't just Hollywood, it was a lot of celebrities, people who were famous, uh, supported him. Dixie Chicks, Johnny Depp, who's in the news today. Um... Uh, Henry Rollins, Eddie Vedder from Pearl Jam, uh, Margaret Cho. Uh, so he had some, and still to this day, celebrity support, at least not, they don't seem to be as public anymore, but uh, that's kind of the long, you know, the long interest. My interest really began after they got let out. I had just finished my first book, which was Prophet of Evil, which is about Aleister Crowley. It's really an Aleister Crowley biography. I wasn't satisfied with the, watered down biographies that I thought were out there. <clears throat> so I, that was kind of what, why I ended up putting that book together. It was an original piece uh, at that time. Still is original. It's much better than the second book that is the satanic version of my book for dummies, which is called the most dangerous book in the world. In my opinion, that's, that's my thought. About. And it was ghostwritten by a literal, yeah. literal Satanist. So it's a little unnerving that people would actually promote that. Um, but so I just finished that book and I was working on uh, working on kind of Crowley's influence. There wasn't really a book out there that really uh, showed his into his kind of broad reaching influence on modern culture. And it was, I ended up publishing it. Children of the Beast. It was published in 2014. But while I was doing that, very simple thing happened. I was just kind of uh, scrolling through 
videos on YouTube, and I came across a video of Damien Eccles being interviewed uh, by the prosecutor, his name is Price, I believe, about Aleister Crowley. And I just finished this, you know, long uh, years of research about Crowley. And I'm still researching Crowley, really, not as uh, vigorously as I was back then. But that really, I, it jogged my memory. I remembered that I had seen the documentary. I'd heard they'd gotten out. The West Memphis Three had been released in 2011. I just figured it was a technicality. I didn't look into it in great detail. And once I saw this Crowley, I said, is Crowley involved in this case? And so I just started researching. There are people who'd got, who had compiled court documents into a, a site called Callahan 8K. So it was very easy for me just as a lawyer, just to kind of start reading it through. No, but they hadn't, in my opinion, really organized the court documents in a cogent manner. So I took those court documents and really put times and dates and who did what and who are these people and what's the research and started kind of just digging into it. And, and I, I was aware of all this publicity, like, oh, these guys are innocent. They're railroaded. There were all these PR axioms, like convicted for a crime they didn't commit. So I'm reading these documents and looking at the kind of the police work, time, state, stamps, all this stuff, uh, and, and comparing it to what's being said in public. And I just was really scratching my head, like, there's enough evidence here, like, to convict. There was enough evidence to convict. There were statements that were verified in court, um, statements of a family you saw, Damien Eccles close to the crime. There were also statements of young children that the jury found credible, who he said yeah, he had killed them at a softball um uh softball game where he was talking and saying that he had done it they were the crimes happened on may 5th they were arrested on june 3rd so there was time in between the, con the commission of the crime and the arrest where they were out and so that really led to my inquiry into what's going on is this and when i researched even more i'm like nobody was talking about the occult like i was convinced after reading the documents that the jury verdicts were correct. They were guilty. They were the right, and they and they still denied today. I think that Baldwin's out there saying we're still looking for the people. And one of the statements they made when they got out in 2011 was, "We're getting out to help find the real perpetrators." And this should this should be very telling uh, to anybody with the kind of uh, critical thinking skills, even at a basic level, that they haven't found that person yet. So, so how did how did he plead? Um, how was I mean? Because I mean, if you're convicted you know, you're, you obviously you plead guilty or not guilty. I mean, so what, how did they pled not guilty? They've originally pled not guilty. The cases were bifurcated because it was a legal principle. I think it was because Miss Kelly's confession was really what led to their arrest, his original confession on June so 3rd. One, so one of the and three, so one of the three admitted to doing it, right? Well, there was a statement that was made. At, actually, all three have admitted to committing to being there at the crime in one place or another. Baldwin, uh, after the, they were convicted, somebody, uh, I think, wrote something to the court saying he admitted to doing it or something in jail. Jesse Miss Kelly admitted to it on June 3rd, the original confession, which only part of it was taped. But then he's kept confessing after he was convicted. And these are all recorded. So he confessed to the jailer he confessed to the police driving him to the jail he then wanted to confess again to the prosecutors who had just prosecuted him and then he wanted to confess on a bible he kept saying over and over we did it we did it we did it he, he implicated Eccles and baldwin if they ever get back to court they'd really have trouble with that those statements yeah. and jesse so miss kelly's had a very low profile since he got out in 2011 
So um, there's a, so currently there is, uh, there's active investigations to try to reopen the case and put them back into jail. <clears throat> no, no, that's okay. not the case. There's trying the, the West Memphis three and some of their squad team have always that one of the reasons they got out was because of DNA evidence. There was a clause that I think there was a new law that had took place in Arkansas that said, if there's credible DNA evidence that wasn't tried in the original case, this can retry it. If there's other evidence that would lead to an exoneration as D, right. Cause DNA evidence really didn't take hold until 1990, mid nineties. If mm-hmm. that, you know, so it's, it's fairly new. We take it for granted, CSI, all that stuff. If there's no DNA, people get to become innocent. They expect to find DNA everywhere. But that was really the reason they got out. So then they're the they kind of, in my opinion, played the public into believing that there's this exonerating DNA. And they've actually tried to pin uh, Terry Hobbs, who's one of the stepfathers, by saying his DNA was found in their investigation, a hair that was consistent with T- uh, Terry Hobbs. That I don't think has really ever been published. Like they haven't put it out and said, this is it. They just said they found it. I don't even think the state has it. So the legal authorities don't have it. It should say a lot too. Uh, so they've always kind of, that is their way of getting away from the crime is, is using this, this lack of DNA evidence is, is indicative or, or indicates that they weren't involved, uh, right. which is fine. It, it, some people like there. I think we become uh, people call it the CSI effect or this TV show effect. You have to remember that under the criminal law, before DNA, there were tons of people being convicted based on statements, based on evidence of where they were, based upon other things, witness statements and testimony. So, uh, the lack of DNA shouldn't sway anybody's mind, but they do in the public kind of sphere. And one of the sections of my book was really, you know, talking about trying this case in the public as opposed to trying it in a court of law there's a reason why we have a court of law why you have professionals why you have you know why it's a dry serious environment you have rules of evidence these are all things that have that have grown you know the law has has progressed over time to make sure that the outcomes are correct um so anyway so the dna has always been kind of like the west memphis threes kind of exonerating thing like there's no dna they never found dna therefore we're innocent and then they also kind of blame terry they they still tried to blame terry hobbs in my opinion uh it's very interesting too because in the second documentary people always forget this they were blaming another they were 100 percent sure on the second documentary that it wasn't hobbs that it was john mark byers who's the father uh, stepfather of another boy interesting so, yeah very i mean there's a lot of contradictions that anybody who really researches this case does it? And a lot of these people who really think they're innocent, innocent have probably not read much of anything. They just saw. They're usually TV type people with, you know, that don't have the inclination to kind of sit down and parse through right. actually what happened. So they, a lot of these people have no clue about basic facts of the case. So interesting. How did how did the did Johnny Depp and and the Dixie Chicks, how did they rally around him? Like, what was the catalyst to that? It's a great question. And there's a, there was a lot of mystery to that as well. When I first started researching this 10 years ago, I was like, why? Who are these people? Why are they come, Why are they interested in this one person who is in Arkansas who's found guilty of this crime? And why are they rallying about it and going on in public? Uh, Johnny Depp was, I think, was on 
talking with Larry King. I, why are they talking in public about this case? Why? What's their interest? And I think that is a mystery. That is a mystery. And then you start researching who these people are and see what their interests are. And you, in my opinion, they, they are fellow travelers with Damien Eccles and their sensibilities and interests are yeah. similar. Or so they saw, they saw somebody who was into the occult like they are. And hey, look, we need to get him out. <clears throat> Eccles, when in, when in 20, well, let's see, he said it on, uh, excuse me, um, he said it on in court that at 18, he knew everything about the occult, that he was very knowledgeable. And I think that since he's gotten out, he's, I think he's put out three or four books. He's still talking about the occult all the time. He's got tons of tattoos all of all different occult symbolism and, and stripes and meanings and references very deep references in some, as a matter of fact. So I think um, these people found him to be uh, kind of unique in a way. Yeah. Yeah. That's um, it's, it's just, it's such an interesting story. Um, just when you look at it, you know, stepping back and you just look at all the different pieces of it, there's, there's a lot that doesn't add up and, it's you a know, saga. It really is a saga. If you go back to 1993 and we're almost at the 30 year mark. I mean, it's unbelievable. Yeah. Still in the public, still stuff. I mean, it's the case that won't end. Um, and it is interesting. Like he's tattooed some, he's tattooed Johnny Depp twice. He has sharing tattoos, I think with Marilyn Manson, um, with the director of Lord of the Rings and the Hobbit series, Peter Jackson has one of Damien Echo style tattoos, which is actually it goes back into kind of occult lore. You have this uh, Theban alphabet, a circle, and then it has Theban is an alphabet that can be transliterated to English alphabet, right? So it has some kind of word meaning. Um, and then on the inside is a sigil. So the sigil is like you take a concept and then you sigilize it and it becomes kind of like a meta, like a meta meaning word. But, you know, I think a magician or these types uh, help them to progress down whatever road they're going down so you'll see that style it actually goes back through kenneth anger and probably back to crowley i, I just have to confirm that but uh, right i've seen kenneth so, anger with so that would same the, tattoo so would the tattoo kind of like uh would it attract the demon or entity they're trying to invoke to give them more power well that's a good question <clears throat> i don't know I, I don't think that those are that's the type of uh that's the type of tattoo. There might be other tattoos that are there that are try to be portals. I do believe that they believe in spiritual portals and things like that. Um, but I don't think that's specific tattoo. But if you look at Damien Eccles' body, like you can see when he got out of jail in 2011, he had no, very no tats. When he was arrested, he had a downward facing pentagram on his chest. So he definitely had a predilection to do these tattoos. He actually, I think, in my opinion, he lied about it on stay on in the trial. And said that it was an upward facing so in the occult the different pentagrams have different meanings so when it's downward facing it's usually has a more dark uh, wow intent yeah so, so he your... put <clears throat> yeah, so... no go ahead well i had a lot i did a lot of videos and stuff and then i got censored i got literally book burned by google by the evil people at google so a lot of my research is lost like i have to go back and put it all up i kind of just passed through that phase of west memphis 3 and satisfied my curiosity yeah really for it because they i mean i think the deception is and that's why the title of my book is devil worship and deception the deception is really incredible um so 
So in your uh, so it's a loss. So I have a I had a video about the downward facing pentagram of Damien Eccles and all those stuff that was lost. Like the, the the evil people at Google really are as bad as Nazis as book burning because a lot of that's lost that somebody can't come across and inter you know contradict, learn from, take pieces from. So it's really a great loss. Like they they're very they're total scum. Like the yeah, people who run Google are devils, man. Yeah, it's I, like, I really, and I'm not exaggerating. It's very <laughs> serious. Like these are evil people, man. I'm not kidding. I'm not yeah, exaggerating. It's getting worse. Yeah, yeah. It's it's getting a lot worse. Um, <clears throat> in um, in in your research, did you find any the the way that these kids were murdered? Was there any occult? Um, I don't know indicators that it was great a question. Ritual? That's actually no. That's a great question, and it's it was part of the mysteries for me. And I think for a lot of other researchers, they couldn't quite figure out what they were up to on May 5th, 1993, and putting it all together. So that that actually, in my opinion, was a lot of that clarified. Very recently, I did an interview with a guy by the name of Chris Knowles. I give him full credit of The Secret Son. And you can go back and listen to our conversation on William Ramsey Investigates on the, on the podcast. And he tied it not to say, not to like capital S Satanism, he calls it, which I think he's correct, to Druidism. There's very close connections to Druidism. And it's something that happened in my more recent research into the ONA. They're very much Druidic. And nobody really made that connection. There was a occult kind of specialist um, who unfortunately passed, passed away, but he was a great re pre-internet researcher, in my opinion, uh, who was on the stand. They always make, these, say, these occultists always make fun of them. They make fun of them, mock everybody. But uh, he, uh, I'm trying to remember his name. I remember his face. It'll come to me. Anyway, he was on the court. He, he kind of made the three and the dates. But I think Knowles really got it that, uh, on point that it was Druidic, that it was Beltane. It's the exact date, full moon. And the kids were bound and shoved into the mud. So back in the old Druidic times, the Celts, right, were this pre kind of European, early European, right? The Romans fought the Celts. And they were kind of pre-Germanic tribe type stuff. Um, and kind of got, you know, pushed back, I think, into kind of smaller environments, more ferocious tribes like, you know, pre-Christian history, one out. But they involved, there was all kinds of weird birthright sacrifices where they would go to bogs and tie people up and really torture them. And that was to, for whatever reason, for a good harvest or, I don't know, the to there's been a lot of recent studies about these bog men who were found because they're very well preserved in the in the peat or in uh, something about the chemicals or something in the box preserves the body so they don't you know decay um so these they're usually tied up so and these boys were tied up and shoved into the bog into the mud with these staves with sticks and i think he's right he didn't even know some of the stuff that I, i'm not sure he knows he might know but i knew that from the course reading the court documents that these three guys were walking around West Memphis with kind of like druidic outfits and staves. So they would walk around with canes, like a walking st staff, like Gandalf or something. Yeah. So they were, they were doing that back then before the crimes. And I think that that's, I think, he, I think he was really on point. I think Noel's got it right. Druid, Druidism. And he, wow. he Noel's confirmed that Eccles was reading druidic stuff. He was, he's a, Eccles is, a reader so he and i showed that in my book like his mother would get him books and stuff 
So he, uh, I think that at that time, I think I think Moles really. Got, I think the Druidism is actually the more ac- the most act- accurate, uh, descriptive thing of really what happened on May fifth, nineteen ninety three. I think he's right. right. Wow, that's that's um, that's very very uh, interesting um, <laughs> to say the least. Yeah, I know I I know a, a young gentleman. Well, he's not so young, but he's he used to be into the Druidic cult occult stuff, and he says a lot of it even people that practice it nowadays they don't understand that it it's it originates from the druids and a lot of what they were doing so that that's definitely we still have some druidic stuff today like a lot of people don't know halloween is like a high day and the druids used to take the pumpkins they were much more threatening so the pumpkin back in druidic times i forgot exactly what the symbol was but like if you got a pumpkin that was carved, that was like a totem of your death or something like that. Really heavy meaning. Like today now, it's just kind of like a funny carving among the kids. But back in Druidic times, that was like a like a real totem of like death, if I remember correctly. So that's that's some of the legacy is still there. And it, yeah. it is interesting, too, because there were overlaps. Eccles, at one point, I remember he was talking about the people who influenced him the most. So he's very pretty well read, had tons of books, the library of the OTO um section or oto oasis in arkansas is named after damien eccles because he donated so many books there and they actually wrote and confirmed that he was a member of the oto which probably wasn't the most prudent thing in the world but you can read that at sk 931 that was eccles number in jail and uh but he said that he admired these people were one of these people i didn't know who he was but I figured out who he was when I studied the ONA because he was the outer member of the ONA. His name was Ford and he's an occultist out of Texas. So that an ONA has just, it's just, I think it's really, it's full of all kinds of occult stuff, but there's a lot of Druidism and nature worship and going out in the forest and all that stuff. So, so could you explain what the, what the OTO is and what's the other thing you're saying? It's the O order of nine angles. So the Crowley was born in, I, I, Eccles puts a lot of Crowley stuff. He knows a lot of, of Crowley and mentioned actually that original video I was telling you about where I saw him on was really, he was questioning because Eccles was writing something in a language, like a secret uh, cult language and with the name of Aleister Crowley. So, but Crowley was born in 1875, died in 1947, very influential occultist, but had, didn't have to work, was independently wealthy and really was, uh, probably one of the the top, I mean, the most notorious occultist, Britain occultist, at least among the very top. But um, he started his, he kind of went through different things. He ordered, he entered the golden dawn. He passed through all the, he claimed to have passed through all of the levels of masonry, golden dawn. Then he started his own group called the AA, Astrum Argentum, Silver Star, referencing the moon. And then the OTO was this German group, the order Ordo Templi Orientis that was started by two German occultists and they actually made Crowley kind of like a sidekick at a certain point um, but then the head guy died in 1925 and so Crowley became the head of the OTO and he changed a lot of their rituals and doctrines and he started he kind of integrated this German OTO with his religion he called Thelema and that OTO you know branched out spread out some people took it really seriously, some didn't, but that OTO, Eccles, has some relationship with the OTO. They call like their sections oases and 
I forgot the other term, but I think Eccles is associate was associated with the Oasis in and called himself a thelemite according to this doctor this article, um, the article article of if it was an OTO article that he calls that uh, yeah he's called a thelemite. So that's the OTO. That's a brief overview of the OTO. It had all kinds of different uh, rituals, grades, secrecy, um, writings. But Crowley definitely was his head, the head of it from 25 to, to his death in 47. And then there was like, a, you know, <clears throat> who's going to take over? Who's the boss? And then the Order of Nine Angles was a fairly more recent iteration of kind of occultism that grew out of England, which is almost like a melding of far-right politics and occultism. And referenced the OTO, but really tried to be more, like they built off of the, the foundation of Crowley, in my opinion. Like they knew Crowley's rituals and things like that, but they became, that's the more recent one. And they've <clears throat> kind of in the news recently, a lot of this ONA material and things have penetrated kind of the far right here in the States. This group, Adam Waffen, and this, the sinister tradition, these guys are like the right wingers here are carrying that book around. So wait, that's, wait. that's, that's, that's very, very interesting. So wait, the right wingers like the radical right is being influenced by this, by the, the ONA. Correct. There's no doubt. Wow. Yeah. And wow. so these guys, there was actually a battle among Adam Waffen and some of these other far right types between who was going to integrate kind of this ONA far right occultism and who wasn't, who was just going to be, it's kind of silly because the Nazis were definitely occultists Christ haters uh, wanted to destroy Christianity and its values. Hitler definitely was. And this kind of group is in this, the ONA is the same thing. It's, it's definitely, they would call you a Nazarene or something like that, some other term uh, for a Judeo Christian type view. Wow, but, that's, um, yeah, no, that's really, that's really why I wrote my most recent book, uh, Global Death Cult, is because this group that started in kind of a small part of England because of the internet, it's just started metastasizing, flipped over to the US. And then these guys, like random weird events would start happening. Where people were affiliated with the ONA. There was a stabbing in Toronto, two guys dead stabbed, a guy by the name of Willem von Neutigem. This other guy, Meltzer, uh, I think he just got, neither are happening currently. Meltzer had this ONA book, The Sinister Tradition, and was in contact with ONA, who he thought were, who, who he thought were ONA online, saying, let's set up my uh, military group. He was in Italy, headed to Turkey. Let's set him up and have them all killed. Like he was literally doing all kinds of treacherous stuff. He's going to go away for a long forever. So that his name was Ethan Meltzer, and you can look, you can read my book. All these different characters. <clears throat> there was a killing here in Orange County of a guy by the name Blaze Bernstein. This was pre-COVID. Turns out this guy was involved with Adam Waffen, so he's associated with some of these characters. Um, who there was a big the government really came down hard on a lot of these Adam Waffen characters after, and the, there was the the head of Adam Waffen. He, he was involved in two deaths of other Adam Waffen members. But you could see the ideology of the ONA penetrating the far right here. And the reason is, is you can kind of tell what's very strange about the ONA is that they have this insight role where you could literally be, a, uh, this is very strange, you could literally be like a far right Nazi and then go join a radical Muslim group. And the, the two heads, the two kind of primary guys of Adam Waffen back in the day, one of them be, uh, became kind of like a radical Muslim as well. And they were other people, Adam Walkman members were mocking him for that. And he killed two of them 
Uh, and these were, it's been a while, Klupchuk and Himmelman, I think were the two guys who were killed in Tampa. So there was all these events. There's all these deaths that we know of, of these things happening. There was a huge swatting uh, campaign. These guys were, you know, sending in cops saying, hey, it's dangerous. They swatted the head of the DHS. Like they went big. They went after some big targets and they got all wrapped up. And a lot of those guys had recently got jail sentences. Wow. So, so the ONA, you can, you can trace the kind of lineage from the OTO through the ONA to the Adam Waffen and to a lot of, a lot of deaths. And another one of, it's really fascinating when I, it's unbelievable. When I came out, when I first came out with my first book, I was on some show and they, they didn't tell me this other guy was going to be on. His name was EA Coetting. And so I, they just, I thought it was funny. It wasn't really funny actually, you know, to not tell like, I'm going to, I'm going to set you up to have a conflict. This guy, apparently I didn't know at the time has been writing for Annexian of the ONA. He was writing some of this dark material and he had a website called become a living God. And so he's been working on that. His videos were all on, I think he got censored. Um, but his work, there was a guy named Daniel Hussein, you can read about this, D-A-N-Y-A-L Hussein, who was on the website of, of Bolg, Become a Living God, talking about these demons. And one of the demons that Kowetting, I understand his real name, this guy said, was like, this is the power demon. What does Daniel Hussein do? And these, a lot of these guys, they, you know, they might be on the spectrum. I think a lot of them are on the spectrum. But Daniel Kowetting, I mean, Daniel Hussein in London, so this is kind of the global element, believes this stuff from Bolg, writes a blood pact, goes out to a park in North London and slaughters two girls, two innocent women. They're out having a birthday party, literally, and hides the bodies and tries to get away with it. And that's like a very uh, ONA type thing is, is to commit crimes, but not have anybody, not, not be catchable, um, to do it in secret. It's like a secret sacrifice. That's kind of their idea of culling and stuff like that. So co-editing influenced this guy globally to go, you know, what his doctrines were to go kill somebody recently. And he was, I think Daniel was saying he was just, they're actually um, determining what the sentence, they found him guilty, but they couldn't determine the sentence because they can't figure out if he's fully sane or not, which is, you know, very troubling, like. So uh, that so that case is in the is in the news, and that guy was associated with the ONA, the co-editing. Somebody, some uh, journalist associated him with Anexian, which is like a, an association of ONA. Anexian in South Carolina, which the head is definitely. I mean, he's proven to be a Fed. He was getting he got some crazy over a hundred thousand dollars, but he was associated with a lot of these people, and I think some of his testimony, some of his statements led to some of these arrests. Uh, more recently within the last two years. Yeah. So, so it's a real big um, plus, you know, mess. What's what's the name of that book that's that you that you have on the ONA? It's called Global Death Cult, Adam Waff, Order of Nine Angles, Adam Waffen and the Slaughter of the Innocents. Okay. That was published um, in published last year. Um let's go let, let's um let's go back to the OTO for a second because if if Damien Eccles uh, is a part of the OTO is um are the rumors- I'm convinced, sorry to interrupt, but it's very specific. I'm convinced, I mean, according to their own documents, he was a member at a certain time when he was in jail. I don't know what his affiliations are now. Okay. So what, what, what is, um, so it's, it's maybe he is, or at one point he was. Oh, no doubt at one point he was. 
Okay. And he and you can go through his Perfect. social media and stuff. There's all kinds of references to yeah. Crowley and known kind of other occultists. Too. So I've I've heard things because I'm by no means am I an expert in the secret societies, but there's there's rumors and I've heard um, you know Christian uh, teachers talk about how the OTO is highly influential in Hollywood. Is there anything real to that? I think so. I think some of the stuff is very. Inf- I don't know like where, whether, how many people are actually into the OTO, but a lot of the ideas have permeated my, in my understanding, Hollywood sex magic type stuff, um, that occultism. So how structured it is, I don't know, but I think, I don't think that there's a lot of Christian, Christians you make it in Hollywood. There's a lot more people doing, you know, uh, cult influence stuff. So I, I do think that the influence I've seen a lot of, you know, seen some curious things yes yeah yeah no because i heard somebody i heard one guy say that um especially in the music industry like you have to like there's certain things you have to do to get to that level if you want to be you know if you want to be number one on the charts you know that you gotta do initiated in one way or another yeah exactly i've heard that too in rap anywhere you know i think that you know whenever you see an initiate the crowley said Satan was the Lord of initiation. So whenever you see that kind of initiatory stuff, you can probably deduce that there's more occultism there. I mean, it's occultism. So these people are take oaths of secrecy. They're not supposed to talk certain things. Yeah. Probably had the sign of silence, the oath of, you know, Harpocrates or whatever. So you can see there's a lot of giveaways. These guys all have that same kind of uh, postures and things like that, that Crowley had. So you hmm. see the sign of silence. There you see this hand gesture like this. You see Johnny Depp do it. This means I'm initiated. And it's interesting because that same hand gesture is in some of the evidence of the West Memphis Three. So if you're keyed into coming some of these hands, you know, one eye, these aren't jokes. These are telling they're they're symbolically telling you they're part of that. Thing. Yeah, like well, we like and I think both, yeah. I think both Amber Heard and Johnny Depp were both like doing the uh, you know, the mm-hmm. third eye thing. And then they had a picture of Johnny like this. Um, yeah, you just don't do that. It's like if if you're not a Christian, you're not going to you know do a Christian symbolism, you know, just for fun. No, they're definitely. I mean, Johnny. I mean, my opinion, Johnny Depp is probably very high up in some kind of a cult order, yeah. if not a cult orders. And yeah. Eccles too. I think Eccles has joined, followed Crowley's dictum to just join as many occult groups as you want. And that's what Crowley kind of did too. So I think that he's, I know some of the stuff that in the symbolism that he has, it's very, it's, there's groups out there that aren't public. They're not, you can't, they're super secret. Um, and I think he's associated with some of those too. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think the, the one connection I find just very, very curious is, um, so Johnny Depp plays in a band or used to play in a band, the Hollywood Vampires with uh, Alice Cooper Alice Cooper is now the subject of a book written by Greg Laurie, pastor out in California, Riverside, California, um, talking about Alice Cooper's testimony, but he's still very associated with Johnny Depp. It's like there's something very strange about that, in my opinion, when you have this guilty by association, but then yet he's being praised for being this, you know, Alice Cooper being this Christian. But it's something's weird with that with me, in my opinion. It's very interesting. It's very weird. Yeah, I mean, very, were, I mean, I, I don't, it doesn't seem authentic to me at all. 
um, I wouldn't touch Johnny Depp with a 4,000 foot pole. I, he's involved. There's so much involved. Andres Thompson, uh, lots of really sketchy stuff in the background and all that abuse that came out of that trial and stuff. I mean, they, they, they're actually, uh, Roberta Glass of the True Crime Report interviewed somebody. Somebody on that jury may not have been selected by the jury process. They literally walked in off the street and just became a jury, just became a member of that jury. So like, if you know the jury selection showing up and you want to be on that jury, they just walked in off the street. They didn't get something like be at the, you know, be at the courthouse on Thursday at nine, you know. Is that legal? No. Okay. No, that did, did invalidates the whole trial. Yeah. So all that trial be a huge waste. If they prove that, that that juror, and it's a total failure on the court system. Like, where's your documents? Where's your receipt? I don't know what happened. But yeah. it would be kind of explained the outcome because, in my opinion, uh, just like the outcome, they had that other. There was a court case against the mirror in uh, the UK that Johnny Depp, like the judge said, uh, what they said, the mirror said is okay because <laughs> there's evidence of all that criminal, uh, all that abuse. So that case, the outcome of that her uh, Depp case was curious to me. I didn't expect that. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, so if you want, like, I mean, I think I have enough for Eccles to make this like a really cool thing. If you want to talk about um, the ONA a little bit more, what I could do, if you're interested, I could, I, I think I have a, enough, a lot already, but I can, you know, I'll get your book, read it. And then I could do a video just based around uh, the ONA. Cause that's, that's something that sure. not a lot of us know about, no, no. you know, I think that would be, I mean, my <clears throat> audience would love that. I didn't know anything about the ONA until like two or three years, two years ago, somebody reached out to me. It come out, it kind of comes out of my research into a different phenomenon, which is called the smiley face killings, which is the death of young men going out at night at bars, disappearing and later be found in water. And it was, in, it's still happening. It's, ha it's really taken off after COVID uh, kind of winded up. It's happening in Chicago and all these other cities. And somebody reached out to me, Igor Sarkisarsky, and said, hey, have you ever heard of the ONA? I said, no. And I think some people would kind of try to get my attention about it. What distinguishes the ONA from these other groups, Temple of Set, ONA, OTO, um, uh, Church of Satan, Temple of Satan, is their, you know, their flat out state and belief and part of their system is human sacrifice. You find an offer and you kill them and uh, do it secretly. So that's really what distinguishes them. And it started uh, this guy who was in um, the UK, I think Shropshire or something like that. His name was David Myatt. And he wrote under a different, most people have con confirmed that he's written under different names, Anton Long, uh, different pseudonyms. But he really kind of compiled this. And I think he was actually at one point in an OTO group and rejected it, but really put it out. He was also involved in far-right politics. So he believed in kind of the Nazism and he integrated kind of a Hitler worship into this group, ONA. And he was associated with a lot of people like it would be the equivalent of like Richard Spencer here, right? It would be there, the English equivalent of that, somebody on the far right. And Richard Spencer, you can read my book because his, his connection to the ONA and Adam Waffen is pretty curious. So another so there's story. A, there's so there's a connection there, like you're talking about these killings. Um, if, if you could go into a little bit of that, because I've, I've heard about this too. There's like people that are, you know, walking home at night and they're dying and there's no way to, I mean, what, what's going on with that? It is a mystery. 
Um, there, there, I've got involved in that through my research into Crowley, the use of the symbolism with the smiley face, which is all throughout Hollywood, Alan Moore, uh, the Watchmen, all this stuff. So I was really trying to figure out what this meant. I kind of stumbled into that and made two documentaries. So I have two documentaries on the smiley face killers who was abducting, torturing, and murdering young men in the U.S. and U.K. is my first one. And the second one is Smiley Face Killers, The Global Slaughter Continues, still happening today. I could do a whole nother third documentary. Easy. Just takes the time. Uh, but the phenomenon, probably two to 300 men globally have, have disappeared that way later to be found in water. Nobody sees them go into water. Always happens at night. Sometimes they're found in very like shallow water. Like you could stand up. Um, so the people have explained it away as like, oh, they just fell into water. But how did they get there? Like, they, did they immediately pass out right when they went into water? There's all, all these rationales and like they had some weird choking reflex. It's just nonsense. I think it's much more sinister. <clears throat> um, so I was looking for kind of reasons. There's been people arrested who've kind of been around these kind of cases. But the police kind of uh, usually chalk these up as accidents. They've changed their mind in a few cases, Chris Jenkins. Um, and some evidence has really come out that shows these people are being tortured or abused. So that's really the smiley face killers. And some the reason why I got into the ONA is because uh, some of their documents are like, go out at night and commit crimes, right? And so what are you doing? Like, and uh, it gets pretty deep. But my recommendation, like, if you don't think this is real, uh, go watch the video called Bad Habits, uh, Ed Sheeran. It's got like 500 million hits. Like it is a symbolic display of all of the ONA ideology in three and a half minutes. It's incredible. They, they know, oh yeah, they know. They even know more about the smiley, yeah. Watch it, go watch it, go watch that. All you have so, so the smiley face killer, when they were, when they were investigating these, these crimes, they were finding a smiley face, like a graffiti. Okay. <clears throat> right. So the foundation is really two guys who were in separate parts of the country. One was a guy by the name of Gannon in New York city. And he had, his partner was Duarte. And then there was a criminologist in, I think Milwaukee, who it was Gilbertson who saw the same phenomenon of the young men. So they're in different geographical locations following this phenomenon. And they kind of came together. Hey, I'm seeing this. Hey, I'm seeing this. What's happening? And they had 14 cases in their first book. It was called Case Studies in Forensic Drownings and showed the similarity. And what they found is that particularly, I think, in Milwaukee, in uh, Wisconsin, is there was an association with the spray painted smiley face. Typically, they said, that smiley face was associated with possibly the body went into the water. So not where the body was found, okay. but they, they, and that's how this kind of nomenclature, how this term applied to this phenomenon. So that was really the beginning. And so they made that connection. I don't think they, there's a lot there. They, they hold their cards close to the chest. They said they found other symbolism, other things going on. I've tried to reach out to them. I gave up, but they continued to kind of work on these cases. They've done consulting for families and they put out a six-part series on oxygen, which to me, it was good. It covered six cases, but it, I don't think it did a good job of showing the breadth of the phenomenon, which I tried to do. I had over 80 cases in my first document. It was way too long, three and a half hours. But I think pe most people who walked away from that understood the phenomenon was happening. 
they weren't confused because they saw it happening over and over and over and over and over again. Um, so Gilbertson and Gannon were really the first two investigators. And then that's telling too, is because they came together in the nineties. So these cases really didn't have, there wasn't that discernible pattern pattern recognition before the nineties. And I think that's an important, it's important to ask the question why. And I think that the answer is that it was pre-internet. So these crimes, somehow there's some kind of communication or connection and it's kind of like the perfect crime. And I think that the, it, in a way it is the perfect crime because the police just don't look into it. They're incentivized to take it off the books. Uh, they just t- type it up as an accident. So is there, uh, was, the, was there a certain profile that they were, that they were looking for, like someone who wasn't married or something like that was, I mean, is there a lot? Well, of there's definitely a profile for the victims. They're all college. They're all generally within the college aged, you know, range 19 to 25. There's outliers. There's some older guys, some places, but, uh, I think that that's that's why I gave it that title is like college age because it's happening college age and they did a lot of studies. The criminal criminal you know Gilbertson has the training and aptitude to look at it as a criminologist. So I recommend people look at case studies in forensic forensics. Something I don't have, but they found like a predominance of GHP, which is endogenous. It actually is in your system, but at a higher level causes blackouts and things like that. So some of these guys have been GHP'd. I think one of them, Capfer, clearly was frozen and then thawed out and put in water, uh, which is very scary. So he's kept somewhere. So a lot of these guys are kept somewhere. And there's been um, cases where people are getting busted, doing something that probably fits into the smiley face killer's realm. There was a guy, Stephen Port, who was using GHP to kill young men in outside of London, East London. And uh, his case is still kind of going on. And then there was an arrest outside of Lansing, Michigan, of a guy called the name, his name was Katunsky. And it's like watching, you know, Silence of the Lambs, like these guys are terrifying and they're connected. They're talking to other people with these kind of ideas. But Katunsky, there was a young man, he actually was in the news. You can just look this up. It's easy to remember because the young man's who disappeared, his name was Kevin Bacon, like the actor, right? Mm-hmm. And so he was on, and there's a correlation too on some of these crimes with these gay dating apps, Grinder, even Import was on these gay dating apps under weird names. But uh, Bacon, I think, was on the app, disappeared. The real Kevin Bacon put up a reward for the guy. They mm-hmm. traced, I think, his, his phone or his connections to this guy, Katunsky, who was like, formerly married and became a gay prostitute and they went to his house and he oh yeah come on in you know hang out and so they're looking around and Kadonsky's still in jail I don't think he's been I don't think he's been convicted yet like I think that the process is still going on I have to look it up the problem with these cases is the crimes happen and then the reporters nobody the local reporters follow up on these cases but Kadonsky invites the guy and I have to credit the PD the police force there I'm usually critical but these guys, I don't know how they knew. It was incredible. But he's, they said, can we look downstairs? And he said, here, come on down. And they found a secret dungeon. And here's the guy hanging upside down. And Katunsky had eaten his testicles. Oh, my goodness. And so this so is two years to, ago. So or, this is a recent case. And Katunsky had weird connections to other parts of the country. Ohio River, where another victim was found. His name was uh, uh, 
Dakota James. I mean, <clears throat> they're not asking the right questions. Have you done this before? These guys are networked. They're moving around. And I've, I've done an inquiry into gay serial killers, and they're very smart. There was a guy here in L.A., Kraft, LA, who had 100 victims. And uh, Eiler, who, who was smart enough to move between jurisdictions to commit his crimes, I think he had over 10. Um, John Wayne Gacy is another one. Baumeister. So something, something really bad is afoot. Smiley face killers is part yeah. of it. And you got to really watch out if you're a young man because they don't think that they can be victims. But there's druggings happening at bars here in, uh, among heterosexuals in, in LA. It happens a lot. So um, yeah. you can watch my documentaries and just look at the case by case by case by case. I think it's very telling. And it's happening all over the world. At UK, there's cases in France, Netherlands, Germany, weird things in Thailand. So it's getting more dangerous, I think, out there. Yeah. yeah. So, so then, so then, just to be clear on these on these smiley face uh, killings, um, it's somehow connected back to the ONA. There's right. a connection there. It's not overt. Okay. Their ONA uses the smiley face too. So they have they used it with certain members. Um, there's no member that I've made a connection between ONA and these deaths. Um, it's all it is is the ideology. So I, what I've written is well, I tell people the facts that I know are in the book. So I try not to make things up. So I can't really come out and say like, oh yeah, this is it. It's the ONA. I don't have that. I don't have the resources. You know, I'm just a guy with a computer, internet connection. I really don't spend that much money other than what, you know, looking into what's what I see out there and putting it together. <clears throat> the ideology of the ONA would explain what's happening with the smiley face killers. Got you. But I don't know the connection. I don't. Right. You know, but I, so, like I said, go watch Ed Sheeran's Bad Habits. And yeah, you well, can I'm just gonna... watch all of those ideas. It's very dark. It's, all those ideas are in there of shrenching, of possession, of uh, becoming a god, vampirism, smiley face, uh, victims. Uh, it's all there. Wow. And it's all in the, in the ONA too. It's incredible. It's really incredible. I don't know how he keyed into that. Somebody else, some kind of creative director. I doubt he's even involved. You may not know the totality of what he was doing, but I've watched that over and over just going, oh, ding, that's that concept. Ding, that's that concept. Ding, that's that concept. And you can see at the end, he's this character and then the, the sun comes up and he becomes human again. And that's like the ONA too. Yeah, that's that's definitely by design. Probably some sort of like the the producer or something, man. I I, I don't know what they're doing out there, man. What they you think don't, but like like up. yeah, look at all those actors. Maybe somebody's just saying, you know, they're not a cult, but say, oh, put your hand up over like this or do this. Somebody's being told that way. I don't know. Yeah. But there's some dark things in Hollywood. Wow, really yeah. dark. Like it's yeah. I actually, I actually grew up uh, right outside of Hollywood. I spent most of my twenties playing in a band. And, um, you know, you, you see some, some interesting things of, you know, just looking back at it now as a Christian, cause I was not a Christian back then. I was like, man, I didn't, I didn't realize it until now what you're seeing go, go down in those places. But, um, yeah, man. Um, no, very... it's really true. I didn't see all that either. Like yeah. I was born Catholic, but you know, you're still being 
assaulted by these films with total occult themes eyes wide shut face Cl- fight club um or uh ninth gate with johnny depp and, and it's taken me i mean in, in my 50s to figure it all out and i've done a lot of inquiries into those you can see them on my youtube channel i think my analysis with sean mccann into eyes wide shut it's really good he does a great job and i've looked into the ninth gate um, Rosemary's Baby, these occult films with a lot of occult themes. I mean, Polanski and all these guys. So uh, you can kind of see all that stuff. It's interesting because once you kind of learn the symbolism and the behavior, you can see them pop up in these films. Like there's a guy in Rosemary's Baby making the sign of silence, you know. And so they, they know what they're doing. But yeah, yeah. you can see those on my YouTube channel, William Ramsey Investigate. That's awesome. So yeah, let's do this. Um, what what um, if you could just share. Uh, just tell me what your YouTube channel is and, um, and we'll, I'll go ahead and I'll, I'll, uh, I'll uh, promote that. And then the book as well. So I'm going to, I'll do two separate videos here. I'm going to add your Damien Eccles stuff to Derek Gilbert's video. Cause it's just, it's so interesting how you guys are kind of, I don't know. It's it, my, the way my mind works is very interesting, but I just love that Damien Eccles mystery element to it and then linking that into the return of saturn that's one video but then i'm going to go back i'm going to watch all of this stuff i'm going to read your book and so it might be a little bit but um i want to do the video on the order of the nine that's just very interesting so i want to watch i want to watch your documentaries too where where do we where do we get vimeo i can send you the links to all my work so i've got five documentaries on vimeo i have five books on amazon or my website williamramseyinvestigates.com I just went over 700 separate episodes on William Ramsey Investigates podcast. So you can go back through and look at all my research going through time into the Smiley Face Killers, into the ONA, into Crowley, Prophet of Evil, uh, West Memphis 3. It's all there. I think I compiled even the like inter- like this interview I'm doing with you, I put up there. So you can go back and see my first interview. You can hear me talk. You can tell that my public speaking has gotten better because I used to say like, and you know, a lot more back in 2010. So you can go back and listen to that if you want to. Some of my earliest ones was uh, with future quake, Mike Bennett, who knows, who knows, uh, who knows Derek. That's one of my earliest. Well, it's a long story. Like I was in DC from 95 to 98. I saw things from a different perspective. I knew the media was corporate media was crap. And you know, I saw a lot of things that happened that really aren't addressed properly. So I spent years, decade, really just like screaming at the TV or the newspaper, like, why aren't you looking into this? Why are you ignoring this? These are important episodes. And that really kind of was that kind of pressure cooker that led to my books, you know, like I was, it really is against kind of the corporate media, the, the small reality tunnel that people have and i think it goes back into kind of very long kind of social engineering and things like that where oh we don't talk about that we don't talk about the occult those are the occultists usually saying that too uh because they want to keep the (laughs) secrets you know but uh so i think that's really kind of what led me to kind of kind of go public i never thought i'd be a writer i never thought i'd do a podcast never thought i'd make crappy documentaries my documentaries are super underproduced they're micro produced but I think they're informational. So if you if you're a person whose mind is like, oh, I like getting straight information, yeah. they're for you. But if you like bells and whistles and bangs, go watch, uh, you know, a Marvel movie or something like that. <laughs> I have an interview at eleven too. So 
but I can send you all those links and everything like that. If you want to watch them, I can send you free, yeah. you know, you can just take your time. Yeah, man, but, absolutely. I so appreciate the time. Cause this is, I mean, this is just going to, for my curiosity, it's pulling everything together um, from my conversation with uh, Derek and then giving me another, another uh, piece that I could work on too in the, in the meantime. So there's I always, a lot going on in the world. There's all yeah. kinds of strange things under the surface and uh, it really has ramped up almost like on a biblical scale with the advent of the internet communications and travel. So yeah. a lot of these things are really, I mean, a lot of these guys are traveling around the guy from autumn often traveled to UK to talk to leaders there. So there's a lot of curious things that haven't happened in human history before. So interesting kind of thinking, yeah. Well, very good. I'll, I'll, I'll let you go and get to that interview and um, I'll thank you. But before I, before I release the stuff, I always will send you a link if you want to go through it um, and have no, me ch change no, anything. That's always No, cool. don't change anything. Don't change okay. anything. Keep it <laughs> okay. just like it is. I, I, I never like to edit or do anything. So any mistake or whatever, it's on there. I've awesome. gone over these topics many, many times. So I'm very comfortable with what I said. So. Awesome. Well, very good, man. Thank you. Thank you very much, William. I appreciate you. Michael, likewise. Thanks for having me. All right. You have a great day. You too. Take care. Bye.